It's me, the Reverend Jacob Smith, and I want to welcome you to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified to the city of New York and all the world. We are currently in our season of stewardship, and if these podcasts have meant anything to you, we'd encourage you to make a one-time or reoccurring gift to the parish. You can support us by visiting calstg.org backslash give. Thank you for your generosity. And a very warm welcome to you on this what? <laughs> Today is a Reformation Day. Although I want to say um, I am a huge fan of Halloween. I love it. I love the day. I think it's a holiday that's riddled actually with grace. I mean, so much more so than uh, like cultural Christmas, you know, where you better be good for Santa Claus to give you something. On Halloween, you get candy, not because you earned it, but because you did nothing except for simply ask for it. And even in that, there is grace in the asking of the question. So happy Halloween, everyone. And, uh, and Halloween is far more Christian than a harvest festival. Let me just say that, too. And so, um, anyway, praise God. Now, let's get to the gospel. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to talk about uh, the Reformation and why that is so important uh, to us here at uh, Calvary St. George's, especially here at St. George's Church. Uh, throughout this section, thank you, Jim, and I want to encourage everybody, if you've got a green Kit Kat, they are delicious. They're like matcha Kit Kats. I don't know if somebody's like, we've got to take this up. So anyway, and they did. So, but uh, throughout this section of Mark's gospel, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and their challenges of Jesus are demonstrating by their actions and their words that they are actually far from the kingdom of God. However, today we have this scribe, and scribes were experts in the Mosaic law, and they were advisors to the high priests. He poses a legal question to Jesus. He says, which commandment is the greatest? Now, this is a very interesting question because 20 years earlier, the great rabbi named Hillel the Elder had done something similar. He summarized the law into one commandment, which he coined the golden rule. And this is why we take Reformation Day so serious here, because the golden rule is not what Christianity is all about. But what Hillel said was, he said, the essence of the law is this. The essence of the law is this. What you would not want done to you, do not do to your neighbor. Everything else is simply commentary. Love your neighbor as yourself. However, what is the problem? The problem with Hillel's golden rule and why it was so debated hotly by the rabbis of Jesus' day and is still debated hotly by the rabbis today is that Hillel does not mention God at all. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes had become connoisseurs of the commandments. What they had done was is that they had taken the Pentateuch, they had taken um, the books of the Bible from Genesis to Deuteronomy and had combed right through it and they had distilled 613 do's and don'ts in order to make you pleasing in God's sight. So the scribe is thinking, 
let's prioritize. Maybe Jesus can be like Marie Kondo. You know, help us declutter the law, Jesus, a bit. Which one, Jesus, gives you real meaning? So although only one commandment is requested, what does Jesus do? Well, it looks like he gives the scribe what appears to be two. And they're deeply rooted in the law of Moses from the book of Deuteronomy. He opens up with a solid summary of the Ten Commandments, both sides. He quotes the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. And then he says, the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. It's important to note right here that they are both totally interconnected. So maybe this is just one law, one commandment. But what happens here? You shall love the Lord your God with everything. God wants everything. Your whole being. He wants to be not your top priority. I can't stand it when people are like, God, family, work, like as if he's like, you know, something to, you know, I fit into my life. Uh Uh-uh. God wants to be what he already is to you, your God. He wants everything, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And this is for the purpose that you wouldn't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good, but rather that you may love your neighbor perfectly as God loves them perfectly. These two commandments, it's one big command. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Thank you. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Just get out there and love God a little more and love your neighbor. Wrong. Our society has made love such an abstraction. Yesterday I saw a well-meaning person with a shirt that said, Love always wins on it. And ironically, he was cussing someone out on the phone. (laughs) God, I love New York. I was like, what the heck am I going to talk about tomorrow? And I was like, bingo. And so, but uh, there's my sermon illustration. So, but, but I wanted to ask him, you know, it was like, love always wins. And I wanted to ask him, what do you mean by that? I mean, tell that to someone who hasn't spoken to their children in years. Love always wins. Tell that to someone who's been through a divorce. Love always wins. Thanks. You know, I wanted to come up to him and be like, hey man, tell them love always wins. (laughs) Love God. Love your neighbor. It makes a great t-shirt. But do you do it? Do you love God with your entire being? And completely, without any resentments, when things don't go your way? And how about your neighbor? Do you love them perfectly? And I'm not talking about the nice ones. I'm talking about the unvaxxed ones that's going to come to your house for Thanksgiving and want to talk about politics. (laughs) You know, that's the neighbor I'm talking about. This is my first point, and take this in. 
Love is not an abstraction. Love is the language of the law, and it demands perfection. You must love God and your neighbor perfectly, even when neither live up to your expectations. And therefore, the question must be posed on this day. After the law has judged all your loving, who can be saved? The scribe in our gospel reading today, he's blown away by this answer. You are right, teacher. Hold on to that. You are right, teacher. He goes on to say, acts of loving God and neighbor are much more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices which were part of those 600 plus laws. And the scribe saying that this is countercultural. Because the sacrificial system in Jesus' day in Second Temple Judaism was everything, even to the outrageous and oppressive expense of the poor. I think what this scribe heard in Jesus' answer was echoes of King David as he wrote in Psalm 51, verse 16, You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. However, what the scribe doesn't get is he will not be saved by trying to love God and neighbor more. The scribe may be near to the kingdom of God, but he most certainly is not in the kingdom of God. Let me be clear, and let me clear this up. Because the kingdom of God in our society, too, is often misunderstood as some sort of like mystical place. It's become an abstraction like love. However, in Mark's gospel, the kingdom of God is Christ himself. And Jesus says to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God because Jesus is not simply some teacher who has come to give like life tips on how you can love God and love your neighbor a little better. Rather, Jesus is saying to the scribe, in your presence is your prophet. In your presence is your priest. And in your presence is your king, the kingdom of God. You're close. And this is my second point. You see, the scribe, while impressed with Jesus, he believes that he can love God and neighbor his way into the kingdom of God. Instead, as David would go on to write in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Which comes from the realization of on our own how little we actually do purely just love God and our neighbor. Which is the greatest commandment? What must I do? is a question, no matter how close to the kingdom, like the scribe you may be, is still a question always posed outside of it. 
And this is what makes Reformation Sunday so important to us here at St. George's Church. We are a parish more so than any other probably in the Episcopal Church in New York City that is still steeped in that truth and tradition. On this day, and every day for that matter, we celebrate and remember that great and profound truth that St. Paul articulates in Romans chapter 3. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And so what this means is that none of us are saved by trying to love God and our neighbor perfectly or trying a little harder. Rather, we are saved because your imperfect love is covered by Christ's perfect love for you, demonstrated in the shedding of his blood on the cross. It's a great piece of art written by Lucas Cranach. He would have been Martin Luther's web designer. And it's a picture of them sitting at the foot of the cross, and out of Jesus' side is blood coming, and it's hitting them both right in the heart. What is the greatest commandment is the wrong question. In the kingdom of God, we know that the commandments have all been fulfilled, for they've been carried by Jesus upon the cross for you. The question for us in the kingdom of God is to constantly remember and rejoice in the fact that the commandments have been fulfilled for me in order that I might stand justified before God. And so the answer always in the kingdom of God is Jesus. You see, Jesus is both fully God and fully man, not half and half, but fully God and fully man. And so Jesus is God's love for humanity. And Jesus, most importantly, is humanity's love for God. In Jesus, you love God with all of your heart. And in Jesus, you love your neighbor as yourself. And this is all possible because Jesus, in Jesus, your sins have been put away from you as far as the east is to the west, as the psalmist says. And now with no command hanging over you, you actually for the first time are free to love. And this is my third point, and why what we do here is so important. On this Reformation Day, you stand saved. You stand justified before God, not because you love well, but because Christ has loved you perfectly. Never forget this. In Jesus, love doesn't win. In Jesus, love has already won. And by faith in Jesus, in this kingdom, by faith in his death and merit, his perfect love for God and his perfect love for neighbor, for you, in him, you now stand redeemed, reconciled, and restored. Let this uniquely Christian truth today refresh your love-weary soul. For here we stand. We can do no other. So help us, God. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast. If these podcasts have meant anything to you, we'd encourage you to make a one-time or recurring gift to the parish. Head over to calsaintg.org backslash give to make a donation. Thank you for your generosity and support.